On today's episode of Hoop Dreams, we have a great show for you. We are breaking down the 22-team format that the NBA has chosen to resume the season with. We dive into who we think is the biggest winner and loser from this format, and also we give you our hot takes for the upcoming season and playoffs. And finally, we end with a story that's made for a movie. An 89-year-old man buried a treasure in the Rocky Mountains, and after a decade-long search, it has been found. To hear more about this and what's going on in the NBA, stay tuned to episode 15 of Hoop Dreams. Let's go. Welcome to Hoop Dreams, an unwrapped sports podcast and your mainstay for all things basketball. Here's the guys, Mark Belleville and Steve Lewis. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Hoop Dreams. This is episode 15. We are presented by Unwrapped Sports. Um, everybody tuning in on the live stream, we want to say thank you. We appreciate it. And everybody out there listening on the audio version, we appreciate you guys as well. Got a lot to dive into today. A lot of topics to get into on today's show. We're going to discuss the 22-team format that the NBA uh, decided to go with to, for their return to Orlando. We're going to discuss the winners and losers, uh, what we think uh, the teams are going to benefit most and what team is going to least benefit from the scenario. Uh, we want to do a couple of hot takes um, and also talk about the gambling side of things as well. How's it going to be with no home court and things of that nature? Um, and then the last thing we're going to end the show with um, a little fun topic here. We've got a 10-year treasure hunt that's been finally uh, completed. Uh, so we're going to get into that a little bit as well. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Steve Lewis. What's up, Steve? How are you feeling today, bud? Feeling good. How are you, Mark? I'm doing good. Another day, another episode. Had a good day today. Actually, work wasn't too bad. Did a little bit of grilling, had a couple of drinks, so we're good to go. Ready for this podcast. At work? No, when I get oh, out of work. Oh, post-work you were doing. Post-work. I was going to say, yeah, that would be a good day. Yeah. I went there. Had to I know. No, I po- post-work. I did the dad thing. Come home, see the kids, cook out hot dogs, hamburgers on the grill couple of beers you know what i mean that sounds like a wonderful evening <laughs> with the kids. it was great so uh we're gonna dive into some things here really quickly uh, i'm gonna set the scene for you guys with this 22 team format that the nba decided to come back with so uh they have decided like i said 22 teams those 22 teams are going to consist of the 16 teams that are currently in the playoffs so the top eight from the west and the top eight from the east the other six teams um, were chosen by the uh, NBA off of their uh, remaining schedule. So each team had about 17 games remaining on their schedule before the stoppage. Um, so they figured that if a team was within six games of the eighth seed, they had a legitimate shot to make a playoff run. So they took six teams that were within six games, which in the Eastern Conference is the Washington Wizards. And then the Western Conference, you have the Pelicans, the Blazers, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Suns. So those will be your 22 teams um, in the uh, the playoffs or the the rest of the season in the bubble in Orlando. Um, Mid-June, um, so the next couple of weeks, all the uh, teams are going to get called back to their facilities, um, do a little bit of ramping up before they head out to Orlando the first week of July. When they're in Orlando the first week of July, uh, they're going to get there and convene. They're going to have three weeks worth of a training camp where they're going to practice and scrimmage and whatnot. And the goal is to start a um, eight-game regular season on July 31st. Um, the eight games are going to be consisted of their current schedule as the season ended. So basically, you, you would play the next team on your schedule if that team is in the bubble with you in Orlando. If you hit a team that is not on that schedule, you would just go to the next team. 
until you play eight games. So it actually works out perfectly. There's only a couple of teams where they're skipping games and having to go to the next to pers- uh, next team. So it actually works out really, really good. Um, all the games in that eight team, uh, eight, I'm sorry, all the uh, games will count towards the final standings. Um, so people uh, or teams can flip flop. Um, so if you're currently in the playoffs, you can move seating. Um, you don't really play for anything as far as home court right now, but you are playing uh, in seating as far as um, who you will play in the first uh, first round. Um, and then the last thing I want to get to to kind of clear up is how the uh, play-in tournament is going to work because they're also going to allow a play-in tournament for the eight and nine seeds. So the way that's going to work is at the end of eight games, if the nine seed is within four games or fewer of the eight seed, they're going to uh, get into what the uh, play-in tournament, which is the eight seed will have to win one game. And if they win one game, they'll lock up that eight seed. And the nine seed will have to beat the eight seed twice in order for the nine seed to jump into the eight spot. So I know that's kind of a lot to digest, guys. Uh, but uh, in my opinion, I think that's the best case scenario that allows the teams that are in the playoffs uh, to get back in and work in and playing basketball. And it also allows those teams outside of the playoffs to actually have a legitimate shot at, at making it, uh, getting a chance to get in the big dance. So, uh, Steve, I know there's a lot to digest, but what do you think is, uh, you know, the NBA did? Do you think they uh, kind of got it with this one? I think it, like I said, like I think we talked about it last week. We're in uncharted territory. So, any sort of method they they thought that they could probably get the most teams to Orlando and get the most basketball under wraps. I think you said that what there was going to be sixteen or seventeen regular season games technically left uh, if they if they went if they had continued. Life. Yeah, there was about. 17 games left on everybody's schedule, roughly 16, 17 games on everybody's schedule. Um, so they're only going to play when, in Orlando. They're obviously not going to play the full 17, but they're going to play eight regular season games before they start the playoffs. So in, in the Eastern Conference, Orlando is in eight, the eighth spot right now, right? Currently, yeah. Orlando is the eighth spot, and Washington would be the ninth seed. They're currently five and a half games behind uh, the do Magic. Any, do those teams play at all in the eight games prior to that plan? Some of them do, yeah. No, like it does Washington and Orlando just play each other in that regular Washington? Season? Oh, the, those two teams, Washington and Orlando, do not play in those eight games. No, so that so that so that playing is so does so that is more dependent on their just their regular matchups outside of themselves. It just goes off of finals. So, like, say Washington and Orlando, Orlando could jump. So we're saying Orlando now because they're the eight seed, but Orlando could jump to the seven seed because the Nets oh, aren't. So they, that, you know what I'm saying? And the Nets could enough. drop to eight. Hell, hell, I mean, Washington could go 8-0, and which I don't think is going to happen, but Washington could go 8-0 and and just get the 8 seed outright or the 7 seed outright. You know what I'm saying? As If, if the other teams fall I back. Just didn't know if they, I, didn't, I just didn't know if there was like any common points. Like I'm assuming in the Western Conference with all those teams, like a lot of those teams are probably going to play each other within those eight games. Uh, yes and no. There's also cross-conference games as well because it goes off your schedule. So like you still have teams like the Wizards actually play the Lakers in one of their eight games. Uh, regular season games because it goes off of your next eight games on your your current schedule so in those regular season games you can play east and west teams you're not just playing teams from your conference and you and you said you liked uh the wizards coming out of the eastern conference you think that they're gonna they're gonna get the eight seed so that, that was, was kind of my you know kind of like my uh a hot take per se was that i think that the wizards would actually overtake the magic for the eighth seed. And my reasoning behind that was the wizards are at five and a half games out of the eight spot right now, but they're only a game and a half outside of the play in game outside of that play in tournament that we talked about. And the wizards all season long have been a top five team offensive efficiency wise, very, very high scoring. 
their problem is they can't guard anybody. They score 115 a game, but they give up 120. You know, so that's the issue. But if they can find a way to play some defense and their schedule, they play a lot of uh, upper tier teams. So they play the Celtics, they play the Lakers, um, they play the Bucks. They play teams that have kind of already locked up a seating and don't really have much to play for right now. And those guys, those teams could just be kind of easing back into it. So in my opinion, who knows how hard they're going to come out right out the gates, knowing that they're just kind of taking it as a scrimmage game without playing. They don't really have to play for seeding. And Washington is obviously going to be playing their ass off because they're trying to get that eight spot. So my, my thinking behind that is they could win enough games, eventually get into that play in game and then, you know, take over Orlando for that eight seed. Well, obviously there's a lot of, there's what five different teams in the Western conference that are competing for that eight spot. Um, yeah, the West it's a little more jumbled up. I think I think they hit a home run um, in terms of the Western Conference side of it, just because they get to maximize all that young talent on those teams, right? So they might not be able to get a lot of those young talent in the playoffs this year, but at least they get them um, some exposure within those five games to be able to get them some prime time. Uh, I believe Morant's involved. You get you get Zion involved. Even that Phoenix Suns team yeah. has a lot of young talent on it. I know a lot of people are Super saying exciting. not to sleep on them. So, so a lot of people are saying not to sleep on them. They've got Rubio, yep. Baines, eight and yeah. Kelly Oubre was playing. Yeah, Oubre was Hines playing well, and Devin Booker there. So you yep. know, the only team that you can kind of count out now with the news that dropped today, well, Marcus Aldridge is done for the season. He has shoulder surgery. So without him, I think the Spurs run of 22 straight playoff appearances is probably at an end. Um, you know, they just, I don't think they can compete really and get back. They need the too many games back to really compete to try to get into a playing game with uh, the team that they have and without, uh, without LaMarcus Aldridge. So, uh, but like you said, I mean, you have John Morant in Memphis, you have um, Zion Williamson and another Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. There's a lot of young guys on that on that Pelicans team. JJ Redick is on that team. He's made the playoffs every year since he's been in the league. You know he's going to want to get into the playoffs. Um, and then you have Damian Lillard, who's you. We saw what he did in the playoffs last year against. Uh, yeah, exactly against OKC uh, and the, you know the Thunder and they hit that game winning shot that walk off and he and he waved by to him and everything like that. That guy's. You know, 40 points on any given night is super exciting to watch. So I think the NBA did it right, like you said, in getting their top talent in there in that bubble and giving them a chance to make a run at the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, we were talking about we were we were talking about earlier, like they're going to be having games all day, um, afternoon games all night, and then you'll be able to have marquee games all day that actually are meaningful. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a smart idea not to bring all the teams back because you kind of want some semblance of something that matters going into the end of the year, whether it's jockeying for seating, which I don't really think is going to matter much at the top of each conference, but getting some exposure for these guys that are the future of the NBA at the bottom, you know, and, and plus we don't know how these teams are going to react to the formats of getting into the playoffs with these shortened schedules, you know, who knows, maybe an eight and a seven could be, uh, could be primed to pick off one of these top, teams now we just don't know how it's set up Mm -hmm. to be with these these quick schedules with these young legs so you know you never know like part of me believes that 98 percent of the times it's not going to really matter who these eight seats are anyways because the bucks to the lakers the clippers these teams are all going to advance no matter what anyways so Mm -hmm. but if we get some hype towards the for the competition of these eight seats well i think that's all that the nba really wanted in the first place 
Yeah, I agree. And like we know, you know, if we know anything about the NBA, we know that the higher seeds usually prevail in a seven game series. Very rarely do you see the six, seven, eight seed winning um, in a seven game series. Uh, but I agree with what you're saying because the games are going to do, uh, they're going to have multiple games every day. You know, I heard up to six games a day at two locations, kind of like a summer league style, like they do out in Vegas, where they got two venues and they got games going on simultaneously. Um, they're all going to be televised. They're all going to be on your top TV networks, the ABCs, the ESPNs, TNTs, NBA, uh, NBA TV. Um, so everything's going to be televised. You're going to be able to see everything. Um, and without a lot of rest. You have guys and you have older teams like the LeBrons and the Kawhis and the PGs that are about this load management. And these teams aren't going to get more than a day off between games. So, like you said, younger teams like the Grizzlies, uh, for instance, if the Grizzlies make it, um, if the Grizzlies make it um, into the eighth spot and they're going to play the Lakers in round one, the Lakers are probably going to win that series. But the Grizzlies have a bunch of a uh, young players. And they might be able to give, you know, win a couple of games just on pure the Lakers just being, you know, tired and everything like that. So I do agree with you on that. And I got to bring this comment into the stream here because it's a shout out to you, Steve. We've got a, a viewer here that absolutely loves loves your beard. So shout out to shout out to him <laughs> on that. And I, I do got to agree with him, man. You got a nice looking beard right now. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. I'm not even going to blow up your spot until it took 20 years to grow it. 27 years. <laughs> so beat the Seattle Seahawks and then it all happened. I'm just saying that. <laughs> um, so, so getting back into it, man, with what we know, what would be like, you know, out of, out of the scenario in, in your mind uh, would be your kind of winners and losers in, in this scenario. You know, for me, like I said, I think the my winner would be Washington only because they were five and a half games out. Um, and Phoenix, they were six games out. So those two teams, um, I would think that, you know, those teams, basically their season is all but but over. And now you get that chance, you get that new life to get into the tournament. Um, and then another winner of mine, kind of the last one I had was the, the Boston Celtics. Um, you know, a team that doesn't do well playing in Toronto and doesn't do well playing in Milwaukee is now going to eventually have to, you know, play those teams, um, hopefully. But now they're going to get to do it at a neutral location. I thought you were uh, gonna ask me ask me a different question, but the the winners are the NBA. So let's just start there. Yeah, true. The NBA is the winners because they figured out a way to even find the Western Conference subpar talent, which is probably better than the bottom tier Eastern Conference talent, and somehow get them involved in a format that makes the end of the season this eight game regular season who are somewhat exciting, right? So mm-hmm. that's pretty good on their part. The format itself is entertaining because I think I talked to you about this the other day with everything in the quick turnarounds, we can't assume that it's going to be okay for these guys and these teams to be able to just platoon their starters for 40 to 42 minutes a game. I don't think it would be smart to do that. I think you're just asking for an injury or something that's going to hurt everyone. So we said that you kind of have to lean on your benches in the early part of these eight game stretches. So five minute bursts, six minute bursts, and I'm thinking that you got to start looking at teams that are deep, right? Think teams that can really rely on their seventh, eighth guys that can kind of push them around. And in the Eastern Conference, like I do like the Celtics just because I look at like whether or not they want to move Hayward as a six man, or it's probably going to be Marcus yeah. Smart. But is there anybody better than Marcus Smart in the Eastern Conference as a six man? 
No, no I mean, not with what not with what he brings to the table as far as everything. No, you know, know what I mean? And, and I mean the back half of their bench is is very young and 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 wasn't very complimentary during the year. But I mean, you add back Robert Williams, which we we both agree is very flexible. Yeah, it gives That's my play. biggest wild card for them for the Celtics is how they integrate Bob Williams back into the lineup because he was actually doing okay before he got hurt. You know, he was he was coming along actually pretty nicely, and he gives them a little bit of size that they that they lack tremendously. So, I look at like the Eastern Conference benches, and there's and even the top team Milwaukee. This their benches were really not a bench that like you fear, right? So, like if their starters really have to play heavy minutes, and you're playing these quick turnaround games that really don't give these starters a, enough days because let's be realistic. Like LeBron James has benefited from these three days off in these finals or these Eastern conference finals in years past. But if we're going to be doing every other day, like that could add up really, really quick, especially when you've been out of it for a little while. Don't you agree? Oh yeah, so for you, sure. So you got to hope that your, your bench can help you out. I mean, we, we both agree the Clippers are probably the deepest team in the Western Conference, but when you look at the Eastern Conference side, there's really not a bench on either side that really scares you. I not, mean, I, not a team that strikes fear into you. Not that you wouldn't be like, not that you wouldn't be able to compete with. Like, I believe each team can compete with that. Each bench can compete with the other team's bench. You know what I mean? It's going to come down to just who can put it all together as far as their starters and integrating. I mean, in the playoffs, you only really go. Usually in the playoffs, you only go about seven deep, maybe eight. You know, you always slim down your rotation. But with everything that's going on and the, you know, kind of getting back into the swing of things, obviously teams have had three months off. Like you said, there's a higher risk of injury if you're just playing your starters 42 minutes a night every night. And we both agreed, and I brought this up also, that what have they been doing for the last three months? Like the teams haven't been getting together. So I'm assuming scouting reports, coaches have been watching a lot of game film on one another over these last three months. When you're on the regular season, like you're going, you're going to city to city, game by game. Like you're only getting a couple of days to look at each other. Like, yeah, sure, you've got books on one another, but you're not really just sitting there just going through one another. So defensively, these teams should be able to be getting ready for one another. They should have better rotations set for the other team when they're doing their substitution packages, which leads me to believe that these games are going to be a lot harder. Than, than original so i i do like the celtics just more importantly just because of the young stars i think guys like tatum and and brown give mm-hmm. them more of a leeway and we also talked about kemba walker getting these couple months off like kemba walker is always going to be an all-star player so mm-hmm. when you get a guy that's that is an all-star talent that was laboring the last couple months and you give him the time and the uh, the time to be able to get this time off to be able to come back and we hope he's as close to 100 percent as possible plus smart was banged up for a while after that you hope that the Celtics are front runners for this. Plus, you don't have to go on the road. But I will not rule out the fact that the, the Garden is not one of the toughest places to play in the NBA either. Yeah, Boston definitely doesn't. You know, they don't get a chance to play at home in the Garden, and they have one of the best home court uh, advantages there is. But again, I'd rather take the Celtics on a neutral court as opposed to them having to go to Milwaukee in a Game Seven or to Toronto in a Game Seven, where they've shown that they do not play well for some reason in those in those arenas. They got a rebound. They struggle with the rebounding, and teams like Milwaukee are huge. Both Lopez, yeah, players. Milwaukee's big. Yep, you got Gasol and Ibaka, you know, down in Toronto. That's a big well, team, you know. So yeah, rebounding's huge. You know, so we'll see. We'll see how they do. And and like I said, like with the Western Conference, like the Lakers have an unbelievable bench, the very veteran bench. The Clippers have a veteran bench. You know, so I mean, the teams at the and top- the Clippers got, and I didn't even realize this until today. The Clippers also have Joe Kim Noah. 
He signed right before the season got canceled. Like I just mean, add, just adding to the squad. You, you add a guy that absolutely hates LeBron James. You know what? Like, Joakim, <laughs> Joakim Noah is just a technical from the bench waiting to happen. Like, yeah. what did Joakim Noah do this year? He got one technical from the bench. He didn't even yeah. play a minute, but he got a technical foul. He hasn't played all season. He's been a free agent all year, and his first his first min, uh, minutes are going to be playoff minutes for the Clippers. If he, I mean, if he sees the court, but but that team's deep. I mean, you have your benches: Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Joakim Noah. You know, they got a deep team. They got the deepest team in the league, in my opinion. Montrez Harrell. Their problem, the Clippers' problem is going to be shots. Where's everybody get to get their shots, right? Like, Lou Williams, in order to be effective off the bench, has to shoot the ball 15 to 20 times a game. That's all he does is he scores. You know what I mean? So they got to find ways to get everybody going. Uh, because if you have Lou, like a guy like Lou Williams, and if he's not shooting the ball and it's going elsewhere, Kawhi and PG, then, you know, he's not going to – Lou Williams is not effective if he's not scoring the ball. I mean, they were just playing great basketball right after the All-Star break. Like they look like they just fight. Like they like it took what? When did when did they were playing Ford okay basketball? I mean, they're the four seed in the West for I mean, yeah, for we're a talking reason. about you know a team mean? that you're, we're talking about a team that really never even got to really play together at full strength at all for the yeah because they because they've been hurt. Everybody's been load managing and stuff. But yeah. don't you think that that hurts them as well though because chemistry issues? No, now when you have Doc Rivers as the coach, you just figure it out. When you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard who's won two championships with two different teams. When you have Doc Rivers, who has clearly been able to bring teams together and shows ha- has a championship pedigree to him, and you've got a bench like that, and you've got and they're all veterans, mm. they all they all they all know what they're in it for. So I mean, no, I like I said, the, I mean, when I look at the odds and and I see that the Clippers are like plus three hundred, and I and I know all the money is pushing towards them. The only reason why it's not overwhelmingly on their side is the fact that there is no home court. And that the fact that there is a neutral court that's involved and people just really don't know how that's going to play out. Does yep. it hurt? Does it hurt them that, like I said, though, that like you can't like depend on Kawhi for 42, 43 minutes. Yes, yeah, probably. But I mean, that could it, affect them too. If Kawhi is playing 40 minutes a night, getting one day off and playing 40 minutes again, like he's I not, his body's not used to that. He can't, he can't true. just do that. That's true. But like I said, if there's a team that can be can kind of get carried by the length of their bench and hopefully they can get through series as as quick as possible, it's probably them. Yeah, So I get. Yeah, if you had to pick one team. So that was kind of a good segue, though, with you talking about the spreads and everything like that. You know, I want to get into um, and I know obviously we are big gamblers. We were gambling like crazy when the season was going on and looking at lines every day, going back and forth with each other. Uh, but we're kind of wondering how the lines are going to look when the league comes back because there's certain things that they take into consideration like home court advantage and all these other things that they won't have so um what do you think that vegas might do when they come out with these lines of of how they're going to figure out these games how do i think they're going to how they're going to portray the lines yeah i mean how do you do the spreads like if you're the home team it kind of gives you an advantage usually in a spread but you're not going to have that so you just you it's know just I mean? like it's three points from what I've learned. It's like the the home teams usually get a three point bump, yeah, uh, automatically. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting how they're going to put. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really don't know. I told you earlier that like any big spreads I see, I'm probably going to take the underdogs. You know, so Matt, for everybody out there listening and whoever's watching this, and unders, unders and underdogs, big spread underdogs. Un- 
Yeah, I just, you know, I just think that scoring is going to be low to begin with. I just think defensively teams are probably going to kind of come out slow, Yeah, you know, like you kind of said it earlier, like it's kind of like college kids playing in big arenas for the first time. Like it's tough on them. Yeah, you know, It's going to be weird reason. for them playing with no fans too. It's going to, you're going to have to get a feel for it. I feel like these guys playing in a smaller gym in a smaller setting, like, you know, like they might be tighter, like the, things might be a little different. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Like, obviously we have no book on it. We don't, we can't, we can't like go to any analytics, you know, this has never happened before. You know, I hate to like wait on it because obviously the degenerate in me just wants to get out there and just bet on <laughs> something. Right. So, yeah. you know, one way or another, I'm going to try to like figure out, the proper equation to get to the solution. But I mean, I really don't know, Mark. I mean, I mean, it comes down to matchups, right? I mean, you can go on see what they did in the season, I guess. And, and take it's your tough, right? Track. It's like, do they just give the higher seed, like the, the bump, like you said, that three point bump, does it just go towards the higher, higher seeded team? You know, it's like, who knows what they're going to do? Um, as far I as it, I think go you're going to see a lot of, I think you're going to see a lot of close lines. Yeah, to start, I think you have to. I think I think Vegas isn't going to lose their shirt, and I think you're going to see like a lot of like three and a halfs, two and a halfs, like things that are like yeah. going to be like right on that border, you know. And I, like I said, like I yeah, really, it'll I, be t- it would be tough to give like a double digit spread right off the right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, know, even though normally like a, a Lakers Grizzlies game would probably be like a twelve point spread, twelve and a half point spread. It's that's tough to see right off the bat. I mean, you don't you don't really I mean, but I mean it, with the way. With the way the lines are right now, as far as because the only thing out right now that you can you can gamble on is is future NBA champion. Um, what would be a, a good value bet for you? I know we were kind of talking about it a little bit the other day, um, and I think you said you like the Indiana Pacers as a good value bet. You know why is that? I like big dogs for hedging possibilities. So like in a conference that I feel that a team with good odds can kind of make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. I feel like that's a good opportunity to buy your way into some money. And what I say when I say that it's so Indiana is plus 4,000, I believe to win the finals. So in theory, if Indiana got to the Eastern conference finals, we'll say, and they played, we'll even say they played Milwaukee. Milwaukee might come out into that series and be a, we'll say minus 300 favorite. I don't think that'd be unrealistic to think that they probably would be that big of a favorite versus them. In a yeah, versus versus the Pacers for sure. You can probably lock up a win right there by taking a hedge amount of money on on the Bucks, and then if you for some reason lose, you still have that big ticket going to the finals again with that Indiana team, and you can hedge again again on the other side. So it allows you to be able to get some sort of money along the way because, like I said, like it's very chalky at the top. I think you've got three teams under 300 and odds are if we know anything about the NBA, the NBA is very, very chalky. They're going to try to tell you that like this different format is going to try to produce something. They tried to tell you a couple of days ago that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving was going to play for a little <laughs> while. And, and you now saw there's it. no chance for that to happen. What you saw it, I, that that guy that just told you that I had the nice beard immediately tweeted that out to me. He said, Hey, you might want to check those odds like Kevin Durant's coming back. And, yeah. and and I don't know if it was his news or no, but next thing you know, the odds were dropping like that. Well, guess yeah. what? Like dead money now. Don't make no money, right? Like Kyrie yeah. Irving. Scared done. money don't make no money. Those odds went from plus 8,000 down to plus 4,500. Well, guess what? Those guys pronounced that they're done and those tickets are 
gone just like that yeah. but that's like bad news like so yeah you know that's kind of the way it works so you can play the chalk at the top you can even you can even buy the chalk at the top right like play play one t- take one of those top three teams but always take one of those long distance dogs that way if you took milwaukee right now plus 260 and then you took Indiana plus 4,000 right now, and they ran themselves into each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. If there's a way for them to play each other, you you have instant profit right there. Yep. You know, so like that makes a lot of sense. And the reason why I like Indiana is they got Victor Oladipo back like three weeks right before yeah. the pandemic started. Now he should and, be back to 100%. And he had just played six games. He had just hit a game winner. The, the game before he was just starting to find a little bit of his legs back. You saw that the rust was on him, but you saw, you started seeing like at least the Victor Oladipo competitive side. Like the guy wasn't scared to go up and do anything. Like my biggest gripe with Gordon Hayward is that like, he looks like he's scared with the injury still. Like he's just mentally not there. Like Victor Oladipo was going a hundred percent. He might not have looked great just yeah, because but he was at least he was physically, he, he was look, he looked okay. He was still attacking the rim and being explosive yeah. and everything. And 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 my biggest side piece with that was like the acquisition that they added in the offseason, Malcolm Brogdon. When he came back, Malcolm Brogdon got hurt. Yep. And Malcolm Brogdon's a great piece for that team. Like he's a great leadership guard. And I think that's the piece that Milwaukee's gonna miss the most on their march to the Eastern yeah, Conference. Yeah, Brogdon was year. huge for them. You know, it was and, huge for them in the playoffs last year. And and Bledsoe's a nice player, but I don't think Bledsoe's a leader, you know. So when it comes down to no. it, like like I take Malcolm Brogdon, add Victor Oladipo, you put it with Turner and Sabonis, you have size right there. You know they have they have uh they have a nice complimentary uh back uh point guard, I believe T.J. McConnell. With yeah, that they have McConnell. That. They, they have shooters too. They have both Holiday brothers. They have Doug McDermott. They, um, so they're surrounded by some shooters as well, which is and, good. And in in, in in an Eastern Conference, like I said, like we don't think there's I don't really think that there's a runaway team. Like until Milwaukee makes it to the finals. Till they prove that winning sixty something games a year matters to me, yeah. I'm still not going to believe that they're a legit team. And now that they don't have home court anymore, I'm yeah. definitely not going to. I've said that on I've said that on episodes in the past, man. Giannis has to make me believe it. You can win sixty games a year if you want. You can win all the MVPs, but you can't get out, you know, of the Eastern Conference Finals and make a trip to the finals. I mean, like I said last year, they had everything set up for them perfectly, and they ran into the Raptors and they couldn't close out the Raptors. I believe they were up two zero in that series too against the Raptors, and they couldn't close it out. So until, like I said, Giannis proves that he can do it and that he's the man and and he doesn't shy away in the big situations, then I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I don't trust Milwaukee at all. And that's another reason why I think the Celtics on a, on a neutral court are, are a team that could definitely make a run to the finals. We just watched in the All-Star game, like when, like even like when they were playing each other, at the end of the game, like LeBron's team knew exactly how to stop Giannis. They closed off the paint. And he couldn't yep. do anything at the end. Oh. So, I mean, th- they know what to do. So that's that's the thing about a seven-game series. Like, you can only do so much Giannis before. Like, it's, it's just not going to be enough. So the Heat is an interesting team. Like, Toronto's still an interesting team. Like, Toronto's a team that doesn't get any respect. Like, yeah, they might have no. lost Kawhi Leonard. But, I mean, they still have a lot of nice pieces on that team. Mm-hmm. That Their bench is still pretty solid. Like, Nick Nurse is a solid head coach. Like, clearly Nurse Has there been a player that's made a bigger jump in a short amount of time than Pascal Siakam? Absolutely. Absolutely not, right? Like he's no. like that's like unbelievable what he's done. I mean, a lot of them, a lot of people are talking about him winning most improved player for two second year in a row just because of the leaps that he's made. 
um, and everything like that. So, yeah, I agree with you there. The Raptors, even though they lost Kawhi, they still play themselves into the two seed currently, and they're still looking really good. I mean, I'm still not the biggest Kyle Lowry believer. I think he's a good piece for that team, and he's obviously their leader. Um, but well, he has – you know, the thing was with the Raptors is they haven't done – Without Kawhi, like you've seen them, like they had to when they had DeRozan, they just I get I get that they ran into LeBron and everything like that, but they haven't shown that they could win in the playoffs without Kawhi either. Yeah, so. but I think that I think the difference now is you have you have a more established Serge Ibaka and Marcus Sol in that playing against uh, playing with one each uh, one another one now. another yeah, and I think that's I think that's a different you got two veteran players that look like they really are comfortable with one another they were kind of added pieces to that championship run last year. So yeah. I don't think that they had a lot of time to really mold into what they really wanted to be. And I think this year they kind of took a different step knowing exactly that they needed to be a different team with one another. So do I think that they have, that they're probably going to win the Eastern conference and get to the finals? No, but I think people shouldn't sleep on them. No, and, that, and that's, just I don't think so either. To- like if they play, like we're talking about, we're talking about the Celtics going to the finals. You know, we think they have a good shot. They're likely going to play Toronto in the second round. I think that's a six, seven, six or seven game series right there easily. I think the fact that we're having this debate right now shows you that this NBA is in a good state right now. You know, so yeah, I, I, sure. I, I think, I think realistically in my head that there's five teams in the Eastern conference that could make the finals right now. Yeah, that's the thing with the East, right? It's a lot different than the West. You know, in the West, you're really like Lakers and Clippers, Lakers and Clippers. Yeah, that's all. That's pretty much determined that they're on a collision course for the East. For the uh, I'm sorry, for the uh, Western Conference Finals. Everyone's talking about the top, and 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 nobody. And like we talked about the top of the episode, we only really care about the play-in. Right, like exciting. <laughs> yeah. Who's gonna get to the eight? Who's gonna play that eight nine play yeah. game versus? I mean, another? I will say that's exciting though. That's like an exciting uh, fact that they added that because you know if if you get say you get Memphis and New Orleans, you're gonna get John Morant and Zion Williamson Listen, going against each other, and like dude, one of them's gonna win two games in a row to make the playoffs. Like that's exciting stuff. I think they did it wrong. Like if there's the playing ba- tournament, baseball stinks, Mark. But if there is one thing that they did that's been awesome, is that one game wild card that gets that other team into the re- the regular wild card round. Yeah, that one game is the most exciting game of the playoffs. Yeah, but that's because they have two wild card teams, right? Yeah, because they added a wild card team. But well, that's what saying, I'm like, saying. They have two wild card teams, so like you have somebody that's like not like the eighth seed has already made the playoffs. Like you're already in the playoffs at the eighth spot. Yeah, so why should they have to win? So why should they have to win two games just to keep their spot? But that's what happens now in Major League Baseball. The fourth seed always made the playoffs already, but now the fourth seed has to play the fifth seed for that one game playoff spot to get to that fourth seed. That's yeah, that's basically that's what you just super, did. Uh, that's super unfair. That's what you just did, though. Like you just add, you just added a playing game for the ninth seed. Yeah, but you're giving an advantage for the eighth seed, is what I'm saying. Like yeah, you have saying, you like, have an advantage. You don't need like, to. To have it a sing- yeah, but to have it as a single elimination, it's un- I'm saying it's unfair to the team that has like legitimately made the playoffs. Why though? You know what I mean? Why? How is it not unfair? You have but a team because the because baseball. I mean, not, I don't. I mean, obviously it's not different. There's still games, but you could have a team technically like like the Wizards. They they're going to be if there's a play, they're going to be four games back. Yeah. You, you could have a team four games back that could get in on one, only winning one game. Like, how does that sound fair? I mean, we change. They changed the rules this year. Like, I mean, that, it's exciting. Don't get me wrong. Your scenario is way more exciting. I mean, that's what makes March Madness and college basketball as great as it so is. What? That's all that. It's because it's single elimination. 
But my point is that in the history of history, like the eight seed always loses to the one seed anyway. So isn't the draw should be to make hey, that eight don't seed? Don't knock. We believe exciting. Warriors, man. But isn't the idea to make that eight seed game as exciting as possible? And that a one game format is by far way more exciting than needing a team to win two games two to games. get that eight seed. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a lot. That's a I lot. agree. I agree that it's more exciting. I just don't think it's fair to the eight seed. I mean, what's fair these Let's days? Let's agree to disagree on that one. What's, fa- what's fair these days? Uh, you when know. you make the playoffs, but then you only got to, but then you only got to get beat once to get knocked out of the playoffs. Yeah, but who's to say you would have made the playoffs? But like, if you continued playing in the season, like this kind of, I mean, all these teams know. have have pretty big the eight leads. Seed, the, the eight seed could have. I mean, if you're an eight seed in any sport, like you're not a great seed. So the odds are you. No, but won, if you're the eight you seed in any sport, you're better than the ninth seed, and you make the playoffs still. Yeah, but oh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. If that's yeah. the way you feel, I just yeah. think that a Stay one quiet. game playing. Stay quiet. I'm just saying. <laughs> odds are an eight seed could have lost ten out of the last seventeen games, and and that nine seed could have went bananas in the last seventeen games and jumped them easily. Yeah, but you're 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 having that argument. So you're saying the eight seed bad. Well, how bad is the nine seed if the eight seed is better? Like the nine seed could just as well lose as many games. You know what I'm saying? No, what makes I understand. You, what it makes you think the ninth seed is going to go on a roll, roll and win a bunch of games, but not the eighth seed? No, I I agree, but I'm just okay. saying, like when we just when it comes down to it, the eight seeds are going to be irrelevant when it comes down to it. Anyways. Yeah, because they're going so to lose. It doesn't matter because they're going to lose to the Bucks and the Lakers, anyways. Yeah, so let's let's have a little eight seed Flint Michigan Mega Bowl action. You know, like as exciting as it can get. Let's give them a big trophy at the end and say congratulations on your eight seed. Congratulations on winning the play-in tournament. Now you get to play the Lakers or the Bucks. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> guys. There you go. <laughs> Way to go, Zion! You know. <laughs> All right, perfect. So now that we uh, segue, segue. Do you think Zion took money from Duke, and how much did he take? Because I know you're I, gonna say yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think all these players have been taking money from the NCAA and from their schools. Or not the NCAA. I'm sorry, but from their schools because these players they deserve. I mean, in my opinion, they deserve it. I don't know how much he took. No, 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 no. That don't. Wait, don't we're what? Talking about, we're not talking about if they deserve it or not. First of all, it's an illegal act. Like, I don't, yeah, they, I don't care that it's illegal. Yeah, they still deserve it. Like, we're not going to talk about right now if they deserve it or not. That's that's a different conversation. It. Is did Coach K break the law? Yeah, I think he did. I think that's he, crazy. I think he paid his players. And and that and that's sad. And that's sad that we look at some of these figureheads. But I think that's been going on for years. I don't think that's new. Yeah, but there's certain there's certain like coaches that like you kind of would feel like their school and their reputation speaks for themselves. Like I always felt like Coach, Coach K looks, dude. He just looks like a slimy dude. He doesn't I look mean, like I, he doesn't look like a, a sketchy guy. He's an army guy. Like no, like if there's one guy that you think would be an upstanding guy, it would be him. Coached by it, Bob Knight. Like, not no, when it comes like, to his program, man. He wants the best players at that school winning national championships. I mean, he really never got. Re- Top end talent. I mean, he got different. What he got four? He got four years. I mean, uh, I mean, up until like recently, like he's gotten different kinds of like. I mean, he was never a one and done kind of coach up until like the last like seven years, right? Like, no, but there was never really one and done up until like what the last ten years, maybe. There wasn't many one and dones. Well, I, I mean, even you go back to his uh, early nineties no. days, they had Grant no, Hill and Christian Leitner winning back to back titles. Well, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, because as a high schooler, you could go right to the NBA. So the one and dones were more or less because they had to go to school for a year. 
But I'm just yeah. thinking in terms of yeah, like Duke one, Duke one and Duns. I mean, I could think of. Uh, I mean, I think Kyrie. you're just thinking of JJ Redick right now. JJ Redick's a four year player. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think you got it in your mind that JJ Redick is is the perfect Duke guy, and he played four years. So you're thinking like no, Christian Le- they didn't I, have I, one. I, of if you guys. don't think Christian Leitner when you think of Duke, that's like crazy to me. Like that's like <laughs> the first guy that I think about. But I was actually Grant trying Hill? to think of I was trying Bobby to Hurley. Like, I was trying to think of like one and done Coach K players. Kyrie, yeah, but there was one before him. Zion, Harry Giles was one and done. Yeah, but the, like that's my making my point. Like that's that's Coach K recently. Like that's never yeah. been like his like thing. Like so like this whole like thing with the money had that like start like in the last five six years. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't think guys were getting that even not one and done players? Like there were still people getting paid. You don't think Reddit got a little bit of money? No. Even though he stayed for four years, no. You don't think these guys were getting maybe not even cash, but getting incentivized on on things. Like you don't what? think they were getting anything. Like J- like you're talking JJ Reddick getting incentivized? just 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 anybody like not not even one and done players. Like you don't think these players were just getting things? Not JJ Reddick. No, not these. Per- <laughs> not JJ. No, not JJ Reddick. No, JJ would never. JJ, thinking, JJ JJ would I'm, never take anything. I'm, but like I said, like I'm thinking of just Duke. If I'm thinking of like overall just other schools, like yeah, of course. Like obviously, like players getting things, but like Duke's different. Like Zion getting things, like like that. That's trending onto a whole nother thing. Like putting that's putting Coach K into like a different kind of like like that's that's Coach Cal stature right there. Like we all know Coach Cal does that at like Kentucky oh yeah, and Calipari. Oh hell yeah. But you always thought that Coach K was like you know like the class act of like college athletics i don't you know, know. he looks like a, he looks like a rat bro i mean you're a north carolina fan yeah. so this is, this is bias is that where that's coming from no i'm just saying he does physically look like a rat like that's not nice you know what i mean like he could like he just looks like a sneaky dude like I mean, if you didn't know his background and you just looked at him you'd be like this dude's sneaky so does zion get in trouble if he took money or does duke get in trouble I don't know. They just passed the lo- the thing, and then I, I get that it wasn't a, a um a rule when Zion was at school, but they just passed the rule that players could benefit off their likeness. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah, that's that's how we got. You're talking about getting paid, like yeah, receiving what, benefits. Was was he was he getting? Where did he get paid they, from? He had to get paid they, from endorsements and stuff like that, like selling Duke gear and things like that, right? Yeah, but we're not. We're talking about boosters giving him money, though, aren't we? Uh, I mean, is that the type? Yeah, it could be boosters. You do what you got to do to get the players to go to the school, right? But if you're Zion, though, like, why do you even accept money? Like, why did you even need to do that? I don't know. Because these players, like, a lot of these players don't have a ton of money when they go to the school. Yeah, they're going to get it in the NBA. But a lot of them are broke. If you listen to some stories, they got, like, they're pinching pennies just to eat in the cafeteria. Yeah, but Coach K is like the like I said, like Coach K should be like the guy that is supposed to be able to talk to him, and be like, "Listen, you're going to go to the NBA. Like, if you come to Duke and be under me, like you're going to the NBA." So, like the fact that he has to proposition him to come to Duke to give him something, or it should go off in Zion's head that if Coach K and the Duke boosters are offering me money, then I'm probably a big deal in the first place. No. Yeah, obviously he knows he's a big deal, dude. Okay. But it's so bad where you can't accept anything from these guys. Like if you go to school broke and you got no money, and Coach K wants to give you ten bucks to get a a, a number six from Mickey D's, like you can't do that. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's just the I littlest mean, things. 
I mean, we're not talking about a ten bucks to go get another. I know, but I'm saying like even something as small as that is like think is that that shit you got to think about when you're these when you're these athletes, you're taking this little bit these little things. We know how bad the NCAA is. Like I'm not. Yeah, we both agree that the NCAA does their fair share of screwing over. Yeah, I agree. I, I hate the NCAA. That's why well, I love the fact. I love the fact that the that the the NBA put in this new G League rule where you can go to G League for a year before you go to the NBA. That is that is perfect. I mean, yeah. I mean, they needed to figure something out because a lot of these players were, you know, starting to go overseas and starting to join uh, professional clubs in Australia and and do their own things and start their own brands down there. I think New Zealand New Zealand was becoming a hot topic. Uh, oh yeah, the Breakers. Like, Breaker. There was a lot of teams that were starting to form yeah. down there. RJ Hampton plays over there. He's one of the top going to be a top pick this year. Lamola Ball plays in Australia. He's going to be a top five pick this year. So, but in all honesty, like I don't really know like how much better competition is in New Zealand than in Division One basketball. No, but you got eighteen and nineteen year old kids playing against grown men. So I mean, that's yeah, really the only Division thing. One Division One basketball is starting to really become a different game now and if i yeah. would ra- i would rather play against juniors and seniors in college than go to new zealand and say that i'm playing it's real talent over there yeah that's that's just me i agree but <laughs> all right man let's get into this final topic man like we talked about at the top of the show we're gonna get into something that is not basketball related but is one of the biggest stories of the day and i know this is something near and dear to your heart steve because Apparently, this has been going on for a long time, and I had nothing, I knew nothing about this, but it's been going on for 10 years. Um, and I'm just going to let Steve take the floor on this one and explain what's going on um, because he knows it a little bit better than I do, and then we'll get into it. So go ahead, Steve. Well, this all started 10 years ago. If you guys haven't heard, I mean, obviously, this could have been a news dump today, but a buried treasure in the Rocky Mountains was found today, and it was buried um, by who is now an 89-year-old man named Forrest Fenn. Dude, they're going to make a movie out of this someday. And 10 years ago, he buried a treasure in the Rocky Mountains, and he he, he buried a treasure filled with gold, rubies, emeralds, and diamonds. And basically, he did it in 2010 amongst the recession of the housing crisis. And his idea was he wanted to inspire people or poor the poor to you know, still think that there's like dreams worth go- catching or going for and give them something to like, you know, try to go find. Well, what he did was he said he hits a treasure in the Rocky Mountains and he said it was worth over a million dollars. Now, they don't know the estimated price or he never said what the estimated price was, but he basically wrote a biopic with a poem that consisted of 24 lines that he wrote little clues in that people were able to dissect like a, that was, like a treasure map. Yeah. You know, national <laughs> treasure style. Like it basically <laughs> gave away like little clues in the, in the Rockies, like where possibly this treasure could be hidden. So over the last 10 years, a lot of people have tried to go find this treasure now up until like, I mean, I think I've heard uh, the stories up until honestly, Mark, like it's like two years ago. And up until two years ago, we were getting more stories about like people starting to like call him a fraud because the idea that a 79 year old man could go into the Rocky Mountains and hide a 20 pound like chest of like treasure somewhere and then 
for eight years, people scour the Rocky Mountains and not be able to find it like they were starting to call bullshit after a little while. Now, in the midst of these 10 years, five people have actually died looking for this treasure. So we're talking about people that have fallen off <laughs> like cliff sides, Jesus. you know, people that have like run into like, you know, bears and whatnot, like, you know, because there are wild animals in the Rocky Mountains, you know, so. <laughs> And and when Death I read the article, bear. when I read the article today, it kind of made me laugh because they said that an estimated three hundred fifty thousand people had looked for this treasure, and that's kind of ridiculous because if you think about it, like what was there a sign in sheet like somewhere docked that said, yeah. "I am here looking for Forrest Fenn's treasure." Now I'm not. Now listen, <laughs> you had to send Fenn a uh, Forrest Fenn a text message every time you left to go look for his treasure. Forrest Penn is an entrepreneur. Like he's definitely got the money. Like I'm not doubting this for a second, but once again, he's a 79 year old man in 2010 that hides a 20 pound treasure in the Rocky mountains for 10 years. No one is willing to, has been able to find it. People have died looking for this thing. It's found today. And when it's found, he comes out and announces it saying that the person found it. They are unwilling to release their name, and they only sent me the pictures of it, proving that they found it. But I have not shown, not willing to show the pictures at this time. I want to see that picture. I need, so to see, I need to see who found this thing. So, if you read the clues of the poem, he basically it's you know it's some BS, but like he says it's like hidden under vegetation, you know, under a cliff walk. Like you got to read like between it, but. Through the years, like over 10 years, like I'm sure that a lot of things with climate and whatnot, like a lot of things have changed. And he said he's never moved it. He said that he's the only one that like brought the treasure to the spot. So like he was not with anybody else. Like how does an 89 year old guy get or at that time, 79 year old guy get out? If they got people like we talked about before the show, Steve, like how does a 79 year old guy get out into the Rocky Mountains where people have died trying to get to? By himself. He said he did it alone. New Mexico State Police begged him in 2017 to call off the search. Because people were that's dying. How dangerous, to that's how it. dangerous it was. And he made it out to this spot by himself I, at 79 years deal. old. But this was the only time I respected him in the whole time. He said, listen. He goes, if I pull the treasure out now. <laughs> he goes, that people would have died looking for this for no reason. Like. I can't do that now. Like, you know, that's a a savage statement. So at that point I was like, all right, Forrest, I'll do that one. Touche. And at that point you got to be like, I mean, that kind of what leads me to believe that it's, that is really out there that they're actually really searching for something because you, you, I don't think he would just let people die for no reason. Like, I don't think this is just all make, make believe. I truly do think he got it out there. Do I think he got it out there alone? I don't think so. I mean, the stories in his memoir hinted at the location and the poem in the chapter of Golden Moor contained nine clues. Like it's like it, I, I get it. It was a it was a nice little thing, but like I said, it, it was always like one of those things that like I just don't know how a seventy nine year old man was able to venture out to a place, to an obscure location, hide it, and then people have such issues being able to find it all these years and like hide it so good that like nobody could even just stumble upon it. You know, so it's 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 baffling. It's one of those stories that there's going to be a movie made about it at some point. 
I'm hoping that we get more information over the next few days. I'm hoping is, but like, it's such a news dump that I felt like this is like a perfect time that like, he can kind of like just get out from underneath this lie right now, because that's all it seems like now. Like I paid somebody because he's 89 years old. Like, you know, who's to say that he's going to live forever. Did he, did he want the search to end before he died? Did he really want to go to the grave? Not knowing if anybody found it or not. Like, yeah. you know, so, you know, in, in my head also, Maybe he thought that it wouldn't take this long to find his treasure. You know, you so, he thought that he didn't really hide it in that good. I mean, he obviously did a hell of a job hiding the damn thing. I mean, in my head, he he has so much. I don't know exactly what his net worth is, but he's got a decent amount of money. Like where I'm sure that he wanted whoever found it to be able to enjoy the riches of it and be able to share in the well that's what he said he said he started the whole treasure chest so people he wanted people to explore nature more and to give people hope that were affected during the great recession you know back in 2008 when there was a big recession um and he wanted to give people right now but what's right now but what's right now but like the pandemic yeah it's coronavirus pandemic number two a recession that we never even saw coming so he did it for that recession. And then next thing you know, during this one that we never even start coming over a decade later, all of a sudden this treasure just comes out of nowhere. It's found like all this shit hits the fan. And all of a sudden these people didn't stop looking for it and they were able to find it like out of the blue, like coronavirus is going on, like, you know, and, you know, and injustices are happening but yet the treasure hunters are still marching on in, in the rock yeah Mountains. because treasure hunting is the perfect thing to do during this time because it's a perfect social distancing i needed nicholas cage You're to come by out with, with, a, with a torch and, and announce that like national treasure 4 is about to like launch like tomorrow and and it's the story of him finding Dude, that's all i'm thinking treasure. of it's like all these these freaking quest movies like national treasure like indiana jones like raiders of the lost ark going through temples and stuff you know what like, it is? that's all i, I can think about there's so much bad and there's so much corruption in the world. And like, there's so many, so much fraud. Like, I want to believe that there's like something good that could come Yeah, Like this it. is just a feel good story. The dude had a fun treasure hunt, you know, and then he just made like a kid's game, like a treasure hunt. And he made it into this huge thing for adults. And then somebody's now is a millionaire because they found the treasure. Exactly. But my point was like, we don't, I mean, I like to assume that like it's only over a little bit over a million dollars, but like how much would you invest for something for only a million dollars, right? Yeah. Like, would you risk your life for a million dollars? No. Right. And like, that's my point. Like, the, not like, a million. No. I mean, I mean, it'd be nice to have a million, but like nowadays, a million, you're not set for life, you know? And I always, and like it was said, like we've had hypothetical questions like that I brought up with the four spent treasure. Like if, if we didn't know like what the actual amount of money was, like what if he, he always said that it was, it was over a million, but like maybe it was like some absurd amount, like 15, 20 million. Like what if we spun it like into like Michael Jordan's like basketball talent, like in a basketball, like space jam style. And it was like stuffed in like a Rocky mountain rock. Like how much time would you invest trying to look for that? That I would risk my life for. That's just, that's just the MJ fan of me, but that's worth more than a million dollars because if I get Michael Jordan's basketball talent, there you, you know, go. I'm, I'm making bank off of that. Then I'm, then I'm sure 300. He's a billionaire. People. Like I'm getting, I'm, that's way worth. Yeah. But you're only getting the basketball talent. You're I'm not getting it. the endorsements. I, I don't well, just, I, mean, I don't, I don't. Yeah, of course I would get the endorsements. I'd be playing 
as basketball as good as Michael Jordan, how would I not get the endorsements? Well, it'd take time. But I w- eventually, I would still get it. That's the whole point. I'd risk yeah. my life knowing what I would get. Think about I'd, how much time, though. I'd be a billionaire. Take, yeah, think about how much time it would take you to find it, though, knowing how well Force Finn at the age of 79 was able to hide a 20-pound treasure. You imagine hiding Michael Jordan's talent somewhere in the Rocky Mountains? Like, how long that could possibly take you to find that? Dude, if it's just like like you said, Space Jam style in a, bo- a ball inside a treasure chest, I would estimate it would take me about 10 years like it took this dude 10 years. Yeah, it's a long time, but I would still be... In theory, we don't even know if somebody... In theory, out. if it takes me a long time, I could technically find it when I'm 60, but still have the basketball talent of Michael Jordan in his prime, so my age is irrelevant. What if it was Charles Barkley's talent? Ooh. Do I want to be one of the best rebounders in the game? That doesn't make you that much money. I mean, he made a lot of money, but I think I'd only do it if it was MJ or like LeBron, like one of the top guys. That's what it would take. That's what it would take. I can't be going off of no fringe champion guy never won a championship. I want. I got to be known as a champion, man. I know. I hear you. What would it take but, for you? What to go look for that treasure? Yeah, what would have to be in it? What would it have to be worth to risk your life for it? I mean, it'd be pretty cool to like look for Michael Jordan's like talent and, and be able to inject it into my veins. I'm not saying yeah. like that idea of it, but the idea that like you could be Scotty, to... you could be like if I get Michael Jordan's talent, you can just be Scotty. But the odds that I would find it probably would be zilch. Like I probably wouldn't find it, so then I'd have to be able to swallow my pride, being like I just invested my whole life to try to find Michael Jordan's talent and I didn't find it. But how cool that would be, be upsetting. How cool would it be though if you were a seventy-nine-year-old man and then you were finally able to be Michael Jordan's talent? Like being, you'd be like Uncle Drew. <laughs> Uncle Drew, but better. <laughs> Uncle Mike. Yeah, but way better. <laughs> Uncle Drew times but a, infinity. But a, real, but a real Uncle Mike. Yes, exactly. I think that would be cool. Yeah, for sure. It would take. Put it this way: it would take a lot to risk to risk our lives for it, for sure. So, from what I've told you, and for somebody that just learned of this story today, do you believe? that this treasure is real i do believe that it's real i think i said this earlier like i don't think this guy i don't think this guy is like at least he's a complete dick i don't think he's just gonna let people die for nothing like if you put a fake treasure out there and made up a story right and you and you found out five people died looking for this fake treasure wouldn't you just be like let's call off the treasure hunt guys i don't want any more people dying and you're really because you're not really looking for anything or if it was real, you'd be like, exactly like this guy said, these people died for nothing. If if I call off the treasure hunt, these people died for nothing. But what else? You because you know say? that there's actually people that are going to find what this. Else do you, what else do you say? You could just, you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to admit that it's fake, but you could just be like, yeah, let's call it off. I'll call it off. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't think he's going to come out and admit that it's fake because then it looks terrible. Because then it's like you just caused five people to die over a fake treasure. This this whole press release today was, you know, a little weird. Like I think it's out there. It's gotta it's gotta be out there. I think it's going on for too long for it to be fake. I mean, you know what I mean? Ten years. That's what I'm saying. Like I think if it was fake, it would after maybe a couple years, it'd be like, ah, it's all you know. Somebody found it. Like I don't think why would he? Why you wait ten years? Like, dude, this thing was 40 pounds. That's not like guy, he knew this, this was going to be the around, perfect time. This guy lugged around 40 pounds by himself in the Rocky Mountains. 
Yeah, seventy-nine-year-old. Yeah, man. he's the most in-shape seventy-nine-year-old guy there ever was. And think about that. Like he did that without anybody seeing him. So like you know, so like he had to go off trails. Dude, there is no, there is no way this seventy-nine-year-old dude hugged through the Rocky Mountains by himself with no help and this put this treasure you- in. But you're just, in a place where people are dying looking for it. There's no way. But you're telling me that you believe that there was a treasure. But I do believe there is a treasure. I just don't believe he got it there by himself. So you're saying that he's a liar in the credibility of the story of how he actually. Of how he got it. it there. I just think it's physically impossible knowing what we know. I mean, that's why, like, you start you start lying from the beginning. Like, it's hard to not think that the story is not going to unravel quickly, though, right? I guess if you're lying about one thing, you could be lying about the whole thing. That's a possibility. I'm just saying, like, yeah, I'd like to believe in good things. But what I've learned, if anything, is everything that, that you believe in that's good these days is yeah. just trash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and an 89-year-old Forrest Fenn just coming out in the buzzer in the middle. What a of the- name, too, huh? Forrest Fenn. In the Rockies, that's not like that's, a, that's like a movie name. Like they should make a book called Forest Fen. And we National always treasure. And, and the one thing that is, I kind of always remind. Have, remember the uh, remember that movie without a paddle? <laughs> yes, I do. Do you, remember, do you remember what that was based on? It was wasn't it like something the camping or something like that. Yeah, but what it was was they they were kids and they were searching for a guy named DB Cooper's treasure. Oh yeah, and DB Cooper. Yes, was the guy I do remember that. That robbed a bank and then parachuted out of a seven four. I believe it was a a seven forty seven. Like he ended up, and they assumed that he died on landing or something like that. But they never found his body, so they always assumed that like he never died or that the treasure was somewhere in that forest that where he was. So they found like the body and, you know, or whatever it was. So that's kind of like where it was. Like it, it kind of felt like one of those same stories. Like, you know, yeah. like I like things like that. Anyway, though. no, I think it's a cool story. I mean, made up or not. I think it's, I think, I mean, I think it's pretty cool. Like I almost, I do want to, like, I, I think it really is true. And I, I, I want to believe it's true. Cause it's, it's freaking, it's cool. It's like a treasure. It's a treasure hunt for a million dollars. Like a, and stuff you see, like I said, you see it in movies and it was happening in real life. But I believe that like with all the people, all these billionaires and uh, millionaires, that just give money away. Like, go ahead, go, go hide a hundred grand in a hole somewhere. Yeah. Watch how many people were willing to go flock to. If you like, I see it, you go on Twitter. Like, I don't even know if they're robots. Sometimes they say, retweet this and i'll give you a hundred thousand dollars and a hundred thousand idiots retweet it because they believe it they're like i'll venmo you a dollar for everybody who likes this and the person that gets like 10 likes on there gets ends up getting like fifteen thousand likes (laughs) i could do that right now and i guarantee you i'll probably get like twenty thousand likes because people will believe that you know and about five about ten thousand of them ain't getting their money anybody wants (laughs) everybody wants free money these days exactly and I hope to give everybody free money when these basketball games get back. I don't know exactly. Like you said, you asked me that 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 spreads question earlier, and honestly, I don't. I still don't have an answer for it. It's you. it's the, one of the hard, tougher questions because there's like no idea what's going to happen. I think that's you know one of the you know bunch of things that we learned today on this episode. Obviously, the format's coming back. NBA is back. It's exciting. Gambling wise, we don't know what's going to happen as far as spreads, and don't trust eighty nine year old rich white guys, but. And treasure hunts aren't real. They make believe. Going to, but if you're going to bet those 
those uh those championship odd tickets and even the Eastern Conference Finals tickets, Western Conference Finals tickets, like there's good money there to bet those and then hopefully hedge those bigger tickets because they are very top heavy. And I'm positive that one of those big dogs are going to find their ways probably to the Eastern Conference one way. I don't think it's going to be that chalky. I think maybe the top two teams are probably going to be there on each side, but there is going to be one like seed that I'm sure that none of us are expecting to probably be in the conference finals that, that we just don't see coming. Yeah. Or we probably do, but we're just not going to be willing to pencil in at this point. Yeah, for sure. And that's a great way to wrap things up, Steve. Make sure you guys get out there. Uh, get your bets in. We're going to be back with more f- uh, episodes in the future. Obviously, every week uh, we come out with a new episode. And as the games come out and as spreads are released, uh, we'll get into some more gambling details as well and give you guys our picks um, so you can uh, go out there and make some money as well. So um, really enjoyed talking with you guys today. That wraps it up for another episode of Hoop Dreams. We'll be back to talk to you guys next week. Peace, guys. Ciao. Thanks again for listening to episode 15 of Hoop Dreams. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as all your other podcast platforms. Make sure to leave us a review while you're there and let us know how we are doing. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter at HoopDreams underscore MB and my co-host Steve Lewis at SLewis5656 for all the latest updates with the show. We are now live streaming all episodes and love the interaction we have been getting from our listeners. If you are interested in tuning in to a live show and interacting with the show, just stay tuned to our Twitter accounts and we will let you know when we will be going live. We will be back with another episode next week. But until then, remember to always follow your hoop dreams. Hoop dreams.